And now, a message from Pastor Michael Carmody. How y'all doing? Great. Let me bring you a high church liturgical greeting this morning. Sup? How's How's everybody? Glad to be in church on Sunday morning. It's good to see you all. We're glad that you're here as well. Um, Man, God's just so good to us, isn't he? You know what's unique about this gathering? This gathering... When, when a group of people come to a church and sit in a church on Sunday morning and sing and worship and uh, focus their attention on God, this, becomes, this, be, this meeting, this gathering becomes like no other gathering. This is unique in the sense that the focus of this gathering is not music, it's not words, it's not, it's not people, it's not a message, it's Jesus. It's a living, breathing God who exists in realms that we can't see, but is very much alive, more alive than we are, and willing and able to reach into our lives and do things that we can't do. He exists on dimensions that we can't even imagine, and he desires to work on our behalf from those places that we can't even fathom. And so as we sit in this place today, as we gather here today, we are in the presence of an all-powerful, compassionate God who so deeply desires to affect our lives that he's more excited about you being here than you are. Just not because of the place, but because it shows that you have a desire to know him, to learn, to walk with him, to be his people. And that's a, that's a great thing. That is just a, an absolutely wonderful opportunity for us to come together. This is not like any other gathering. This is a gathering in the presence of a holy God who loves us. Let's not forget that. You with me? He wants to do great things in our lives today. We're not just sitting in a, in a, in a service. We are in the presence of a great king. So we have been uh, going through the book of Galatians. And in the book of Galatians, um, there's so many things that we've been talking about, but we've come to this portion uh, of Scripture in the book of Galatians where we're talking about uh, God's desire for us to live free. Everybody say, live free. free. That doesn't mean stuff's not going to cost you things. Uh, You're going to have to pay for stuff, right? It's still going to cost money. But we get to live free in our spirit, free in our minds, free in our lives, from maybe old bondages that used to hold us down, uh, from the stuff that we've accumulated. We talked a couple weeks ago about the emotional and mental garbage that we accumulate just living in this world. And, you know, God wants us to be free from that stuff. He wants us to get to the point where we release all of that old junk from our lives so that we're free to be the people that he's called us to be. And that's really what this, this series is, that we're on right now is about. It's about learning to live free, free from the garbage of our lives, free from the stuff that we've done to ourselves, free from the stuff that we think other people have done to us, whether that's real or just perceived in our own minds. He wants us to live free from the influence of this world, which is constantly screaming at us and trying to guide and direct our lives where there's a still small voice on the inside saying this is the way walk in it but if we don't listen for that voice we're going to get caught up in all the shouts and all the screaming of the world and some of it sounds very Christian some of it sounds very righteous but when it becomes divisive and when it hurts people it is not Christian it's something different. It's something of this world. And so there's a, there's a, there's a I think, a, a fine line of learning that still small voice and being led by that still small voice and hearing what God wants to say to us. And so that's part of what we're talking about when we talk about living free. God wants us to live free. Whatever that freedom means for you, God wants you to live free. Now, that don't put a smile on your face. You're not understanding what I'm saying. God wants us to live free. He is designed for us to live free. So today I'm going to be sharing uh, in a few moments here from the book of Galatians chapter 6, uh, the first few verses. And 
when I'm, whenever I'm going to do this, when we're going through a book like this or a study like this, I'll read the passages in several different Bible translations because there are a lot of Bible translations and won't get into why and how that all works. But uh, there are a lot of different ways of formulating uh, the, co the concept of what God is saying in any particular verse. And so I read through several of them, probably read at least eight or 10 different versions of this passage. And I, and I came to this passage or this translation rather in the Message Bible because of one particular word in there that I really want to highlight today. And so uh, let's look at it together. This is Galatians chapter six, verse one. Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for your own self. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Somebody say, that's right. <clears throat> Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. If you think you're too good for that, you're badly deceived. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given. And then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Um, and so the reason I've chosen the, this particular translation is because the words create, creatively and creative show up in this, in this passage. And that's kind of what I want to kind of cue in on a little bit today. This verse begins by saying these two words, same with me, look at them on the screen, live creatively, live creatively. So Paul gives us this admonition in this particular translation of the Bible to live creatively. Say it one more time. Live creatively. Live creatively. That literally means to live as an original and in an imaginative way. You know, I think it's sad. One of the things that we lose as adults is our imagination. You see kids playing with people that don't exist, you know, and, and doing things and they're, you know, they're in a box, but no, they're in a ship somewhere, right? They have this, they have this imagination. They can imagine things that aren't really before them. And I think one of the sad things that happens uh, with adulthood is we lose our imagination. Not that we should not have a firm grasp on reality, but, uh, but we can imagine, but we can imagine things being different than they are. We could imagine the world and our lives and our place in this world as different than what it is. We can imagine things greater than what they are. And I think sometimes we lose that imagination. Paul's encouraging us here to live creatively. Um, so let me just throw this out here. You and I were created by a creator to live creatively. The creator made us in his image, yes? yes? And part of that image, part of that nature of the creator is that he creates. And so he has put in us an innate desire and an ability to create. Um, and so we're originals. Everyone in this room is an original. I want you to look at the people around you. They are originals. In fact, look at that person sitting next to you. Say, you're an original. Go ahead and tell them. Now, you know what? In fact, tell them this. Say, you're, say one more time, tell them, say, you're unique. That's right. You know what? One more, let's do one more. Tell them you're, you're peculiar. Huh? That's right. You, you, so here's the thing. We are, all, we are all originals, right? There's nobody, 7.5 billion people on this planet. And there's not another person on this planet with your fingerprint, with your soul, with your spirit, with your retina. There's not another person in this world who is you. You are an original, you're unique. They might look like, so there might be somebody else who looks like you, uh, you know, that said that everybody has a twin somewhere. 
So you get your mind around that for a minute. But anyway, they may look like you, but they are not you. I guarantee you there are differences between us all, right? And so we're originals. And so we shouldn't live as if we're not. We should live as if we are originals. But we have been created to create. And guess what? We do. We do create. Every one of us in this room create. You know, you might think, well, I'm not really very creative. I beg to differ with you. You were created by a creator in his image. You are creative. We just sometimes don't think about that idea of creation and how we create. But every day, you and I create. We create either by design, with intentionality, or by default. We just live our lives. But either way, you and I are creating every day. We create positivity or we create negativity. And there's a million ways that we can create, and I can't talk about all million of them today. We're only going to cover half of them. So there's a number of ways that we create. But one of the ways that we create is that we create by how we think. In fact, I heard this said once. Everything is created twice. First it's created in the mind, then it's created in the physical world, right? So something, somebody has to conceive of something in their mind before they can create it in the physical world. So everything is created twice. When you think about it, our, our thoughts are the most important things that we possess, because our thoughts do two things. They create our words and they create our actions. And honestly, when you think about it, there's only two ways that humans express life. We express life through our words, through what we say, and through our actions, through everything that we do. And there's only two things in this world that are ever going to get you in trouble. What are they? What you say and what you do, right? Um, because that's expressing our life. And so uh, we are very creative individuals. Everything we think uh, if we think something is possible or we think it's not possible or we think someone is right or someone is wrong or someone is good or someone is bad, all of that thinking creates within us a perception and a way of engaging with our world. Because if we think something's bad, we treat it that way. If we think something's good, we treat it that way. If we think something's wrong or right, we treat it that way. So our thoughts create uh, within us what's possible, what's not possible, what's uh, right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad. Um, what we think about ourselves creates our self-image. What we create uh, or what we think about others creates our, our image of them, our perception of them, our relationship with them to a certain extent. Um, we create with everything we say and everything we do, but those come out of how we think. So when we act, when we do things, we can create a number of things. You know just one word can create peace in somebody's heart? You have the ability to create peace in the heart of somebody in turmoil just with saying the right word, apples of gold in a setting of silver. Just saying the right thing at the right time to the right person can completely change that person's day, week, month, and life. Right. It's absolutely true. You have the creative power to be able to create peace in people's lives. You have the creative power to walk into a broken situation and create harmony. You have the ability to create by what you say and what you do. You have the ability to create faith in someone. You have the ability to create hope in someone. Ah, you don't believe me. I don't think you believe me. You have the ability to create hope in someone by what you say and by what you do. Not only that, you also have the ability to create stress. Oh, see, now we get a witness on that one. Yep, yep, got that one. You have the ability to create division. <laughs> now nobody's going to say anything. You have, the ability, you have the ability to instill fear in people. Oh, have you heard what they're doing now? Oh, have you heard what the Russians are doing? Do you hear what they're doing over there? Do you hear what the government's going to do? Because they're creating fear. Oh, no, no, it's not about fear. We want to get everybody praying. No, you want to get people afraid. It's still instill fear in people. 
We can create conflict by what we say and by what we do. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? We create, every time we engage with other people, we create something. Unity, compassion, grace, love. Yes? Or we might create division, frustration, judgmentalism, categorization where you just categorize people. That's not a word either. You stick them in little boxes and say, you're this and you're that and you're this, so I'm going to deal with you like this because this is you and this is you. And we put people in boxes and that creates how we think about them, how we react to them, how we engage them. We create all the time. Our attitudes create. Anybody ever had an attitude that you knew needed to be adjusted? But before you got around to adjusting it, you created some stuff. Anybody ever do that? Husbands and wives, I'm talking to you. (laughs) Just kidding. But you know what? We have this ability to create out of our attitude. Well, you do that to me. I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to, you know, I I had somebody tell me one time, I don't get even, I get ahead. You know, so I'm not going to get even with you. I'm going to get one up on you, right? But that whole thing, it just creates fractions, fractures, I should say, fractions. Yeah, eight-sevenths of all people don't understand fractions anyway. So anyway, um, it can create fractures in relationships. It can create discouragement, stress, depression. We have the the ability to create these things. I'm going to tell you again, you are creative. Listen to me. You are creative. Every day, you create. You create by what you think, by what you say, by what you do, how you engage with other people. You create every day of your life. A gentleman by the name of Johann Wolfgang van Goethe, yeah, had this quote, this comment to make. I want you to look at this, and we're going to read it slowly. I have come to the frightening conclusion that I am the decisive element. It's my personal approach that creates the climate. It's my daily mood that makes the weather. I possess, or we say I possess, I possess tremendous power to make life miserable or joyous. I can be a tool of torture or an instrument of inspiration. I can humiliate or humor. I can hurt or heal. In all situations, whoops, sorry, right back. In all situations, (laughs) it's my response that decides whether a crisis is escalated or de-escalated and whether a person is humanized or dehumanized. If we treat people as they are, we make them worse. If we treat people as they ought to be, we help them become what they are capable of becoming. And I say to Mr. Van Gutha, thank you very much. I believe that he shows some exceptional insight into the creative power of humanity. Humanity is endued with this creative ability to not only create our own lives and our own surroundings and our own setting in life, our own atmosphere, but the atmosphere of those around us and by extension, the atmosphere of the world in which we live. One third of the world population today claims Jesus Christ as their savior. I, see, I think every time I say that, people ought to just shout and clap and get excited about that because that's, that's awesome. This is a movement that started off with 12 men. And on the day of Pentecost, there was 120. And then 3,000 more got saved. And now we're 2.5 billion. I don't know how you, I look at that as increase. I mean, you might look at all the broken things in the world. Well, there's two-thirds of the world not Christian. Yeah, but there's a third that is. Let's be that third and make a difference, right? 
So we not only affect our own lives, but we, in fact, we affect the lives of those around us. It occurred to me that every day you and I carry with us two different things. We carry with us tools and we carry weapons. I'm not talking physically now. I'm just talking, I want you to just think about this metaphorically, if you will. We carry tools. What do you do with tools? You build, you construct, you build, you fix, right? What do you do with weapons? Destroy, kill, damage, whatever. So we have these tools that we can use to build up other people. We have these tools that we can use to build a better world, at least in our little corner. What are those tools? It's the creative ability that we have to think, speak, and act, engage with people in ways that create life rather than destroy life. We, you and I get this wonderful privilege in our toolbox of creating love. Do you know that you can create love in loveless situations? You can love the unlovely. Did you know that? You know why? Because the Spirit of God inside of you allows you to love those who are not lovable. We can build compassion in the world around us by showing compassion to other people. We're going to get into that a little bit more in a moment. We can show patience. That's long suffering. I've been putting up with this for years. That's long suffering. Keep being patient with that person because it's worth the investment. Somebody help me out in here. We get to create peace. We get to build peace. We have a, in your toolbox the ability to build peace in people's lives, if they're in turmoil, if they're in confusion, we can speak the word of God to them, we can come alongside them, we can encourage them, we can speak peace into their lives, we can watch peace grow and be built in their life from a foundation to an entire structure that encloses their entire life in faith. We can be part of building joy in people's lives. When you see somebody who's not joyful, not that you'd ever see that in here, but if you see people who are not joyful, you have this wonderful privilege of creating joy in their life. I don't, I don't know if you believe me. You believe me? You can actually do this? We can, cre we can create acceptance for someone who doesn't feel accepted. Amen. One thing I've always appreciated about you as a body of people is how willing you are to accept people who are not like you. Uh, because nobody is, right? But we, we are an accepting people. I appreciate that. You know, we can also destroy. We have weapons that we can destroy. We have things called hatred. Every one of us in this room have the ability to hate. In our humanity, we have the ability to hate an individual, a genre of people, an entire group of people, an entire section of our world or community, we have the ability to hate. But when we hate, we build nothing. We only tear down, we only destroy the world that Jesus, the Father, created. You've got to think about that for a minute. Not only hatred, but we can also, we can also create indifference around us. Just don't care. I don't care about your situation. I don't care what you're going through. I don't have time for you. We can create indifference. We can create frustration. You ever had somebody just come along and just create frustration for you? Don't answer that. And, and by all means, don't look at them. But have you ever had somebody come along and just create frustration in your life? Isn't that fun? No, it's not fun. Frustration is, is bad. It's not good. It's frustrating. That's right. Um, we, we can create conflict. You can walk into a peaceful situation. I guarantee you, you have the ability to walk into a peaceful situation and create conflict. You have that ability. It's a weapon. <laughs> we can create, instead of joy, we can create despair. Joylessness. We can steal, we can rob people's joy by just being a big, fat, wet blanket. Just thrown right down over their joy, just suck the joy right out of them. Oh, man, I'm having such a great day. Really? Have you heard about that? 
this. I've got to find some way to drag you down to my level. Christians would never do that. Really? We know different people. Just kidding. But what about this? We can create exclusion. Instead of inclusion, we can create exclusion. Right? Am I right about this? So we're having a little bit of fun, but am I right? We're creating. We always create. Every day, we get to decide. Today, I will create. I get to decide what I'm going to create. I will either create from my toolbox or I will create from my armory, but I will create. Let's go on. We got to get the rest. That's just two words. We got to get the rest of this verse. It says this. It says this. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. So let me just tap into the first part of this. Folk going to stumble. Did you hear what I said? Folk going to stumble. People are going to fall into sin. People that you know, people you care about, people who live inside your body. At some point or another, at some point or another, people stumble. We fall, we unintentionally slip into something we shouldn't be in. We, we can slip, I mean, there's all kinds of things that we can fall into. We didn't really intend to fall into. I, I think sometimes we run headlong into those things, but if we're walking too close to the edge, it is easy to slip and fall, yeah, sure. right? Go too far, fall off edge. It's easy to slip and fall into something we didn't intend to get into. And once we're in there, now we've got to figure out a way to get out. That's why it's so great when a brother or sister comes along and says, let me just come along and help you here. Let me forgivingly, what does it say? Forgivingly restore you. Let me forgivingly restore you. What happens the next time somebody really blows it and you just come alongside them and say, look, we all, we all know you blew it, but let me just come alongside and forgivingly restore you. Let me just know, I want you to know you're forgiven. You know what? You have the ability to forgive people who haven't even sinned against you. You have the ability to offer God's forgiveness to anybody in sin. You have the, offer to, you have the ability to let them know that God has already forgiven them. Do we believe that God has already forgiven sin? Yes. By telling people that God has forgiven them, it's like that quote we read earlier, if you treat people the way they are, you make them worse. Treat them like a sinner, you'll make them a better sinner. Treat somebody like an addict, you'll make them a better addict. Treat them the way they ought to be, and you'll help them come up out of that lifestyle, right? So we look at this thing, and when we create, somebody's going to fall into, into sin. They're going to stumble into that. What's our call? To forgivingly restore him. To forgivingly restore him. And when we do that, we create something. When we forgivingly restore someone, we create hope. We create new life for them. We create a new day for them. We create a new opportunity for them because somebody came alongside them and said, look, you're forgiven, you're loved. God wants you to move forward and not stay stuck in this pit. Somebody help me out in here. Say, wow, can I really do that? Let me tell you what the post-resurrected Jesus said. This is Jesus after his resurrection. Check it out, John 20. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he said this, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, some would say that this was just for the apostles that were there in the upper room that had, their, had themselves shut up in there because of the fear. And, and Jesus came and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Then he said, if you forgive sins, they're forgiven. If you, if you hold on to sins, they're held on to. And some would say, well, that was just for those apostles there. But it seems to me that Jesus connected that with the work of the Holy Spirit. How many of you believe the work of the Holy Spirit is to forgive us? Sure, he'll convict us first, but thank God he doesn't leave us stuck in a pit of conviction. What does he do after we're convicted of something? He offers us his forgiveness immediately. 
I believe that if we, how many of you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you? If you're born again, the answer is yes. Let me see your hands. That's better than the first service. There was 12. Uh, but anyway, we have, the, we have the Spirit of God living inside of us, right? You know what that means? That means we have the ability to forgive sins. Whoever sins you forgive are forgiven. Whoever sins you hold on to are held on to. God doesn't necessarily want to hold on to those sins, but when we hold on to those sins, we keep those people in bondage. We treat them like they are. We make them worse. Y'all getting that? Anyone can criticize a person in fault. It takes no creativity at all to criticize a person in fault. Helping someone recognize the fault, that's one thing. That can be very productive. But using harsh tones and criticism and attacking a person's character is something totally different. If we want, to for, we want to forgive others on behalf of God because, partly at least, because when we sin, we want others to forgive us. Remember what our text says, you might be needing forgiveness before the day's out, right? Treat people with compassion because you might be needing compassion next time around. Maybe it'll be you next time. The law of reciprocity is at work here. If you give grace, what are you going to get? Grace. grace. If you give judgment, what are you going to get? If you give criticism, what are you going to get? I believe in the law of sowing and reaping, don't you? I also believe we have the ability to create forgiveness in people's lives, hope. I believe we have the ability to create new life in people's lives. Look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. Do not judge so that you may not be judged. Wow, that's, I mean, pretty clear. Don't judge so that you won't be judged. And then he says this, for with the judgment you make, you will be judged. And the measure you give will be the measure you get. So the measure I give is the measure I get. I want to give as much grace, compassion, love, and mercy as I possibly can. Because I'm a person in need of grace, compassion, love, and mercy. I don't think I'm making contact in here today. We have the ability to create. What are we creating? I love how this says it in the Message Bible. Same verse. Don't pick on people. Jump on their failures. Criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. I mentioned marriages earlier. We know this in marriage. If you're, criti if you're critical of your spouse, you're going to get some criticism back from your spouse. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> if, you're kind, if you're kind and compassionate to your spouse, what are you going to get back? Hard to tell. But most likely, <laughs> most likely it'll be kindness and compassion, right? That's, that's what we're sowing. We're sowing that seed, right? Forgivingly, if you just have to forgivingly restore me, I think I just stumbled. You'll have to forgivingly restore me for that. Forgivingly restore those who have stumbled. When we restore someone to a relationship with Jesus through forgiveness, we create hope, we create new life, we create new opportunities, we create momentum for the kingdom, and we make a difference in this world. When we save, as it said in that verse, when we save our critical comments for ourselves, we create space for the other person to be valued and changed. It's really easy to throw out those critical comments. But when we save our critical comments for ourselves, we actually save the world from more unnecessary negativity. The world doesn't need any more negativity. and certainly doesn't need it coming from the church, the one source on this world that's supposed to be bringing hope and life and joy. Anyone can criticize. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit to teach us to withhold criticism. Criticizing is a work of the flesh. Withholding it is a work of the spirit. Verse 2. We only have four more to go. Verse 2. <laughs> Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. 
share their burdens, and so complete Christ's law. Listen, when we stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed, I don't care what that oppression is, doesn't matter what that oppression is. Oppression just means somebody that's pressed down, somebody that's having a rough time. When we, when we stoop down and reach out to people who are having a difficult time, we create momentum toward freedom. We create momentum toward helping that person walk in freedom. I love what it says in verse 3. If you think you're too good for that, you're badly deceived. You are not too good to reach, to stoop down and reach out to oppress people. Not only are you not too good for that, you were created for that. You were created to create hope for those who are oppressed. To stoop down and to reach out to those who are broken so that their lives can be healed. Whatever that oppression is. If that oppression is addiction or self-loathing or depression or hopelessness, whatever that oppression is, when we reach out to people who are broken, we create an opportunity for their lives to be changed. You and I create every day of our lives. We're created to create hope, to share the hope of Jesus with the hopeless soul. We're created to open up opportunities in people's lives for them to know the same God's mercy and compassion that has been following you around for however many days, months, years, decades, whatever. Look at this fourth verse. We're getting near the end. Nudge your neighbor. Say, wake up. He's just about done. Look at verse four. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work that you've been given. And then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. This says here to make a careful exploration of who you are. Listen to me. This verse is telling us you carefully explore who you really are. There's an old saying that we judge other people on their actions and we judge ourselves based on our intentions. The problem is nobody else sees your intentions, they just see your actions. And when we do that, when we judge other people by their actions and ourselves by our intentions, we create tension, we create a gap between who we really are and who we think we are. And within that gap, there's room for you and me to be changed. That's why he says, do, take a careful exploration of who you are. Really explore the depths of who you are. Really explore the depths of the work that you have been given to do. Every one of us have been given a work to do. Don't tell me you're not called by God to do something in this world. You are. You know what you're called by God to do in this world? At the very least, you are called by God to create. Every day, you are a creative individual. You live creatively. Every day, you create something. You're called by God to create positive things, not negative things. Love, joy, peace, and hope, not depression and discouragement and hopelessness. And oh, woe is me, and isn't everything bad, and going to hell in a handbasket. It's not that bad. Jesus is still in control the last time I, saw, I checked. And if he's in control, he's got this. That's what we need to focus on. That's what you have been given the call to do is to create hope in this world. And then he says this, the exploration to carefully explore who we are and the work we've been given to do, that exploration opens up for my transformation. I can look at who I am realistically and what I'm doing and what I could be and what I could be doing, and within that gap between where I am and where I could be, what I am doing and what I could be doing, in that gap is room for me to grow. In that, in that gap is room for me to change. In that gap is room for me to be less judgmental and more compassionate. In that gap is the opportunity for me to be more engaging and more hopeful in my life so that other people can catch on to the same thing. 
And then he says this, once you realize that, once you get that, then sink yourself into that, is what the verse says. It means to embrace it, own it, internalize it, become the mission. Actually internalize the mission of being a person who creates positive things in this world. You are going to create something today when you leave this building. You get to decide what it's going to be. Will it come from your armory or will it come from your tool bag? Will it come from what God wants to create in this world or what our frustration causes us to create in this world? You all with me in here? And beyond that, when I really explore who I am, I develop a greater compassion for other people and a greater appreciation for people who are not like me. And that creates momentum in my life. I like what he says at the end of that verse. Don't be impressed with yourself. Here's the thing. Nothing I have in me, any, any good thing, Paul said it this way, there is no good thing in my flesh. Any good thing that, that's in me is not from me, it's from God. So I cannot be impressed with myself. I can only be impressed with what God can do with something like this if you yield to him, right? He says, don't compare yourself to others. We are only what God's made us, so be impressed with him. Not with yourself. And don't compare what God made out of you and what he made out of somebody else, better or worse. That doesn't matter. What matters is what are you doing with that creative energy that God has given you? If I'm not impressed with myself, I won't compare myself with others. I won't pigeonhole people and decide who people are before I ever know. Remember, you're an original. Let me read this to you from Galatians 5.26. That means we will not compare ourselves with each other as if one of us were better and another worse. We have far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each of us is an original. Don't fall into the comparison trap. Just live your life. Here's the last verse of our text today. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Would you look at that verse with me for a minute? Look at it real carefully. Look at at each word of it. Each of you, who is that? Must. That sounds like something we have to do, right? Do what? Take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Your life is going to create something. What should we create? We should create our creative best. We should create the best we possibly can and nothing less. We should create hope, peace, compassion, joy. We should create in our world, in the world around us, the very best things that we possibly can because every day we are going to create something. When we do that, we create a better world in this little ripple that's called my life. I'm not going to touch the whole world, but I'm going to touch a segment of it as much as I can. And if you do the same, those ripples start growing and eventually, guess what happens? The whole world is affected because God's creative people are creating the things of God in this world instead of the things of the flesh or the things of this world itself. We increase God's kingdom. We increase God's presence in this world when we do that. And you know what? You can only do that if we live free and create from that place ourselves. If I'm in bondage, I'm always going to create from a place of bondage. But if I live free, I'm going to be able to create from a place of freedom. Where does that freedom come from? It comes from Christ living in me and me responding to his life in me. For more information on New Covenant, contact us at 3318 Fifth Avenue South, Fort Dodge, Iowa, 50501. Or you can call us at 515-955-6222.